0: Hi, it's Thursday, and I want to do the Haftar. we got a sponsor today. I want to talk about uh, something first, and then we'll get right to the Haftar. Uh, Some of my favorite people are the sponsors. Uh, Just want to say uh, two or three things. First, um, number one, I finished most of my uh, lecture series. If you go on the YouTube, you'll see that I was doing this summer. Um, I'm talking about uh, the Maimonidean controversies. Uh, I know it's funny, but I was originally planning to do six. Then it developed into seven. And to be perfectly honest, it needs an eighth. And I'm hoping later on to add the eighth. I just don't want to do it right now because I'm very busy doing other things. And tell you the truth, I want to take a day or two off. You know, everybody else gets a vacation. And I need a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, So that's number one. So if you're interested in that subject at all, you go on the YouTube channel. As always, I tell people, if you do go on there, um, then subscribe on there because that helps me. That's number one. Number two, I am hoping... My son came over yesterday, try to help me work my way through, uh, in a dumbbell way, through the technology, to hopefully start putting the podcast also on the video, on the YouTube. I haven't mastered that yet. I know it's easy, but it's not easy for me. So what can I tell you? And, um, but we'll get there. That's number two. I'm actually, um... Came down with this bad carpool business, you know. So with the hands and the fingers, you so have to figure some way out. Instead of typing to um, use the voice technology, I have to find out about that the Hebrew and English, whatever. So it's been a, a interesting day in my house. Um, but if you're interested in the Maimonian controversy business. Now, specifically, I'm going away to Shabbos. I'm planning for a Scotland residence in Teaneck. This the first time since uh, Corona. I hope to be here this weekend at the uh, mob at the Basement manager Bergenfeld. Um, Bergenfeld. <laughs> um, Ravi Stavsky uh, will be giving, giving three talks. Um, one in the morning after Davening called "Concerning Coercing Hashkafa," The Disagreements between Tosis, the Rambam, and the Rajba in the Maimonian Controversies. Which I'll be pulling out a certain strand from the lectures and giving it a certain focus. Again, it's called Coercing Hashkafa?" Question mark. The disagreements between Tosis, Ramban, and the Rajwa in the Maimonidean controversies. In the afternoon, I hope to give a talk before Mecha, that'd be 7 o'clock in other words, uh, on a topic called Blank Pages in Jewish History? Question mark, the era of late antiquity. I'm not sure you know what late antiquity is, but if you go there, you'll find out. And the Shal Shodesh, I'm doing some local Baltimore stuff. It's called, "A You in Baltimore at the Beginning of the 20th Century? Question mark. An Unknown Tale of American Jewish History, which probably no one's ever heard about. Um, So that's the plans I have for Shabbos um, this weekend in Teaneck. Um, So I know I always run into people there I see, I know from other times. And that's the plans for this weekend. Uh, I think that's it. Now let me get right down to the body of my remarks. I'm going to do the Haftorah today. Our uh, talk is being given... The, excuse me, let me rephrase that. Today's uh, podcast is being sponsored by uh, uh, Shlomi and Bridget. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, Shlomi and Bridget Freund. Shlomi and Freund, Bridget Gentlemen. And I did their wedding a year ago. I thought it was today. That's what i are doing today. It was a tuba of. but it was around the beginning of August. So, momish exactly this time. And what's really funny is it seems like a thousand years ago because there's the middle of Corona. And I remember, the yeah, and Mom was a regular wedding, except it was modified by the fact that everybody had to wear a mask. Except those people who didn't wear masks. You know how that goes. Uh, even in Baltimore. And um, it was a very nice wedding. But I remember, I always worried. The guy next to me not wearing a mask. I'm wearing a mask. You know, I was uh, freaking out that way. But it was a very be- a beautiful wedding. And they're two of my favorite people. And therefore, I want to wish them a happy first anniversary. And it's so it's so nice that they want to... Um, Celebrate it in a number of ways. One of them being to sponsor a podcast in commemoration of their uh, Simcha. And it was a big Simcha. And I hope it'll be a big Simcha. Uh, that's number one. Now, today's Haftar, of course, we're in the Shiva Den Last week is Shabbos Nachmu. Isn't that right? Am I right? Or was it Shabbos Nachmu last week? Or the other one? Uh, but anyway, this is Akev. So, um, uh, what do you call it? No, le- yeah, yeah, last week was a Shabbos Nachman. Anyhow, uh, you know how it goes. They continue through the different themes in the later part of the book of Isaiah. Uh, it, it, and, and it's very heavy this week, if you know how to read it. I think when it comes to after, most people back off because they open the Micros Gadols. They see so many commentaries and they go crazy. I get that. The best way is just to read the stamazoi <clears throat> Maybe I'm different. I don't know. But the haftar today, which is one of Nahama, right? We're now in the seven Haftarahs of Nahama. We have three of Piranius. Now we're seven of Comfort. Um, the Haftarah today is melodramatic. What do I mean melodramatic? <clears throat> Let me put it this way. Uh, imagine. I bet you this happened. But I'm going to give you a particular dramatic example of something that happen because I remember years ago that um, uh, I'm old enough to remember that during Ronald Reagan's time they had Holocaust Convention, Holocaust Survivor Convention in Washington D.C. I think my mother went if I remember correctly and Reagan went there and so forth and so on and one of the things that so it was it was a particularly well attended one and you know what's going to happen, two brothers meet I thought you're dead, I thought you're dead a mother and a father, a brother and a sister, and your uncle and aunts, and so on and so forth. Each one had a life, and they're, they're shocked that the other one's alive. We hear such things. Not only then, you hear it other times as well. But it was particularly famous, at least it sticks in my mom, my memory from then. So imagine the following scene Suppose there's a lady I'm making a movie up, and uh, she has five or six little kids. And it's in Hungary, let's say, for example. It's 1944, 45, and the Germans come and take away her whole family and kill them. And her husband, the guns to business, and, uh, and they sterilize her. Such things happen. And then comes the liberation, and she's a wreck, naturally. Listen, these things happen. You know, the Germans, who are you dealing with? And so she goes through her life full of those emotions, a profound victim. If you're not religious, you're a victim of circumstances. If you're religious, God has afflicted you, whatever it is. There are cases like that. And this is how she constitutes her life. Does the best she can. There are many people, I'm sorry to say, who after the war remained victims of Hitler. I had an aunt like that, one of them. And she never could get remarried for one reason or another. I mean, psychologically, you know, because she was in Auschwitz and all that stuff. You know, it's sad. It's just sad. Now comes, I'm making this story up. Now comes 30 years later or whatever, or 40. And let's say she goes to a Holocaust convention in America or Israel or wherever. And to utter shock, turns out they didn't kill her kids. Somehow the kids survived, but they thought their mother's dead. And the kids eventually went to Israel or America. And each one of the kids, and they got married. Let's say it was six kids. And each one of the six kids now has six kids. Such things have happened, especially in Chassidosh world. It can happen. And she comes to the convention. And, you know, after the identities are verified, she like, I don't believe my children are alive. Not only that, they have kids. If it's 40 years later, maybe they have grandkids. You hear what I said? My children might have grandkids. <laughs> Her whole Matthias has been turned upside down. She spent 40 years in depression, sort of unnecessarily. And a person could be cynical and say, Listen, oh, you wasted 40 years. That's one way to go. That's not a productive way to go. The other way to go is, I guess, oh my God. <laughs> My past has been returned to me. Life has been returned to me. I thought it was all taken away. I thought this is my fate. Thank God I was mistaken. I'm the happiest person in the world. Would you agree with me? She'll be the happiest person to be mistaken. A person who thinks they lost children, relatives, whatever, in the Holocaust, and turns out they didn't lose them. You don't say, I guess, oh, why did I go around all this time thinking, well, all that suffering? You say, Baruch Hashem, it was a big mistake. Right? I Hashem, my children alive. They have kids, they have kids, and so forth, and so forth. They're prospering, whatever. That, Rabosai is the Haftor of this week. The prophet Isaiah, who says, Hey, listen, I'm just talented at this business, right? He says, I'm just good at what I do, which is the speeches of Nechama, because he's using mamish the imagery that I just laid for you, which means he's a movie maker also. And he says, listen, you know, I'm just a God-given talent to construct these ser- scenarios. You think I'm making this up? God has given me a talented tongue that I should know how to sustain with words those who are weary. He wakens me as he learned. Right? And Yeshai says, listen. In order to do this, I had to experience suffering. Uh, I had to steal myself to think in different ways than Hamonah and the public. So I had to go what we would call radical Navartic training. Radical, you know, Navartic from the 1920s. Correct? That so I would go and say what I want. Shall I say, how did I become the prophet that I became? By not giving a hoot When anybody else thinks Right? Because then You're bound by convention This way I don't give a darn What you think Gave me If people slap me I, I turn the other cheek This is where it comes from My cheeks to those That plucked out my beard Um, I didn't hold my face back From people to spit on me So I trained myself Early in life Not to give a hoot When anybody else thinks to call it the way I see it, and God liked that, and that's why I became a prophet. Therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm endowed with a poetic ability to express the in an unusually vivid way, which is the body of the Torah that we're reading the Shabbos. Which, if you want to see what it means, is a very powerful scene because in the scene, it's not a lady who survived the Auschwitz; it's the land of Israel, Batom I don't know. Sion, which is presented as a woman, not vayomer Zion but Vatomer Zion right? And she said, Like the lady I just described to you, Azavani I lost all my kids in the Holocaust. In this case she taught me the Holocaust of Tisha B'Av, right? Of the Kurbanis. <laughs> Jerusalem destroyed flat flattened to the ground. Based <laughs> destroyed flattened to the ground. You know, uh, I guess I'm just gonna spend the rest of my existence. In a Depression, it's bad. Hashem Shekhani, Hashem Azavani. And the Prophet, speaking on behalf of God, says, And God says, I will never forget you, even if there's a time period when a mother forgets a baby she lost, which is never. But let's say it happened. First of all, I'm not right. I don't want to know this. You don't want to know this. But theoretically, let's talk about someone who got married at the age of 18, had a child. Child died in one of these uh, crib situations, which happens. Is that terrible? Let's say she goes on to have, I'm making this up, let's say she has, goes on to have 10 children. You know what I'm saying. But G-d says, even if a thing like that could be made forgotten by, I would never forget you. Right? And God says something very unusual. He says, I don't have you because I have a tattoo <laughs> of Klael Yisrael. You think I'm making it up? I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God says to see them. So how do you engrave something? You can't engrave something. First of all, I don't know. In California, it can do anything. Nowadays, what they do with the skin, vasiveness. But I'm going to go with Pashim shot as I understand it, which is a tattoo of some kind or other. Which are disgusting, but the whole world's now into tattoos. It's, it shows you, you know, the Mishigas of fashion, okay? So, Hannah, I've engraved on the palm of my hands. I tattooed Jerusalem where it's seen on the hands. Chomosachneg do something different. I always see your walls. We see this today with the people with the crazy tattoos. Suppose somebody, I'm just making this up, suppose somebody did what I just said. There probably are people like this. You know, in, in America, you have tattoos of this and the other. Who knows what they got in Israel? I remember years ago, <laughs> me and Karen, we were once in Israel, my wife and I, and we were waiting for a bus. Oh, was a long time ago. I'm standing at the bus stop. Next to me was this non from girl, sleeveless. All right, that's her business. With a big tattoo on her shoulder. I'll never forget it. And the tattoo, I simply cannot describe on family TV. <laughs> yeah, That's what she walked around with. So over here, there could be somebody else who says, I have a tattoo in Israel it says Yushalayim or Zion. Or I don't know, such things are possible. So suppose a person got a tattoo on the hand. Are there tattoos on the hand? I can't say I've seen tattoos in the hand. I've seen in the arm and every single other square inch of the body. But I'm not sure about hand. Let's say there are. So suppose I wrote, or suppose me, I'm pretending. Suppose I, I made a tattoo of lying, you know, on my hand. Then I could never forget you. Because every time I open my hands, you know, to, to use it for any way, I see Jerusalem. So that's the muscle. He said, God says to Sion, "I tattooed you on my hand, and it's not going away. And therefore, it's a sign. It's a muscle that I'm not going to forget you." Period. All right. So all of a sudden, you already have very vivid language. That's why he said, "Listen, I'm just good at this." <laughs> I'm just, I'm just good at this. Okay. If I say so myself. Now. What he tells Sion is, you think that you have no future because your children are destroyed. And I am here to tell you, your children were not actually destroyed. They went into the Gaulus, which is a completely different thing. Because that may, one day you could have a reunion. You see? And that is the heart of your Haftar today. Right? I'm here to tell you, God says, Me rubanoich. Tell your children to hurry up and come back to Israel. She says, what children? I'm telling you they're here. Because all the big guys are gone. So Israel is, is open land, territory. Everyone's gone. Okay? And um, what's going to happen? Let's just imagine. First of all, it's even sad to imagine. <laughs> Let's just pretend. Tomorrow the Arabs all decide we don't want to live here. And they all move away on their own. Right? Like I always say, they say, oh, we made a mistake. It wasn't Palestine, it was in Pakistan. It was a bad mailing address. <laughs> We're all going to Pakistan. And you have a mass exodus. And all of a sudden, the whole territory of the state of Israel, from top to bottom, is empty. Only the Jews are there. Only the Jews are there. That's what he's describing in this week's Parshim, right? He says, <speaking in Hebrew> uh, everybody's coming to Israel. And the others are leaving. Okay? So you end up with an empty, barren country waiting for you. And they're going to fill your country like jewelry. So you will look at a map of Israel, and you'll say, here's Tel Aviv, here's Haifa, here's this town, this town, They brought this, 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 this. And each one will be an item of jewelry on the body of the Jewish people. Each one will represent the city. The way a Yemenite bride, each one is a piece of jewelry. You know, Isaiah elsewhere has those twenty-four items of the bride of yesteryear. Like I say, the Yemenite bride still have this. So this one represents a, a, a diamond, this one is a, a nose ring, this represents an earring, this represents a jewelry, a pendant, a brooch, and this, that, and the other. Like I said, each one is an adornment. So it's just a very beautiful way of talking, right? And what will be the result? All the Jews who are not living in Israel come to Israel. It'll be empty. And guess what? <laughs> this is like Israel saying, housing shortage, housing shortage. That's how many people will be. Okay? Now it's all destroyed? The real estate guys will move in and say there's not enough room for people. Even though the bad guys left. It means there'll be so many Jews who want to live in Israel. That even if all the Arabs, all the Palestinians, on their own initiative even if they all decide to go elsewhere. So you say like this, well, if that happened, if the Gaza Strip was empty, and the West Bank was empty, and so on and so forth, there'd be a lot of room for 5 million American Jews. I'm just making this up. 5 million American Jews to move there, a million Russians and others, and stuff like that. So Israel tomorrow could move in 6 million people because they would take the place where it was living by the 6 millionaires. No, there'd be a lot more than that. And you'll say, there's a housing shortage, there's a land shortage, in there's role. So, whereas, you see, you and I are living in a time when we've seen the rebirths of Israel, whatever your politics are. It is a fact, Israel is not a wasteland, with zero Jews or hardly anybody else, like it was in the time of Mark Twain. Whatever your politics, Israel is a country with a big, thriving Jewish population. You also have other populations that want to kill us. But I'm saying there's a big, thriving Jewish population. So, we're sort of like halfway, or part of the way, to this Haftarah. But imagine 100 years ago, 200 years ago, Israel was a empty, a wasteland. There was hardly anybody there. There you see, the Jews are moving to be millions. And it takes me to shape. It's not enough land. Or maybe not enough resources. As we all know, Israel faces existential water problems because not enough people. There are those in Israel who are environmentalists. who say, we better stop telling people out to have babies because there's not enough, you know, resources to go around. I do not agree with them. It's a complicated discussion. If you want to go about it intelligently, I do not agree with them, but I do hear where they're coming from. On the other hand, he's saying over here, you know, um, it's going to be crazy, right? You won't be enough. Uh, I foresee a time, and he says, "You think it's not true?" Okay, the children from the Golas, the Bnei the children from the Golas, are going to say, this place is too narrow for us, make room for us to, to dwell in. Build us houses. Shikun. Right? Now, Zion, like that woman that I described at the beginning today, who met her children, her grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, utter shock. Not a happy shock, but it's utter shock. And she said, how did this happen? And the prophet, who's just very good at this, the prophet says, that Zion will say, me, oldly a sailor. Where did all these children come from? These grandchildren. school I'm alone and childless. At least, let's put it this way: I thought I was. <laughs> right. Kolavasu Right. was exile and wandering, meaning I would live the life of a depression, having lost everybody in the showa, or in this case, lost everybody in the Roman wars and stuff. I mean, Eilam migidol. Where did these children and grandchildren come from? Who brought them up? Okay, where would it come from? Aleyful hay. Where you been living for forty years? How come I never heard about you? Yeah, you know? is It's a shock. And God says it can happen. Not only can it happen; they were in exile, but when the right time comes, the Gleim themselves will bring them to Israel on a free a free plane ticket. Also, Goyim yadivelami or I will raise up my hand, meaning God said I'll I'll make something happen in history. And the Gaim themselves will deliver your children to Israel in their arms. And they'll, your daughters, they'll carry on their shoulders. In other words, they will provide free, um, you know, uh, free, free transportation. <laughs> if you would to be cynical, I guess, like any country that's like, this. you get the Jews out of here, we'll pay, we'll pay a ticket, <laughs> right? They'll pay the ticket. You know, get the Jews out of here, we'll give it free. It's like somebody doesn't like, you know, black people. Oh, we'll pay for them to go to Africa, all the racists, you know. So, oh, we don't like the Jews. We'll pay for them to go. That's what he's saying. And princes will be your foster fathers and your nursing mothers. Now, it depends how you want to play this. But let's put it this way. Who brought about the modern Israel? Um, Elites from the West. You know, Balfour, people like that. The and they'll lick the dust of your feet. Right? Now, how do you say you lift the dust of the feet? You want to know something? We've come to see it. I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. You have, like now, um, a lot of these, what, you know, Pastor Hagee, you know, talking about Jerry Falwell. A lot of these groups that they mama say, Offer l'gleiche yalachichu. They're happy to lick the dust of your feet, meaning we want to be part of the process of Qal Yisrael because those who bless you are blessed, and those who curse you are cursed. So we want to be among the blessed. As we all know, Trump said when he moved the embassy to his, to Jerusalem, he said, the Jews didn't give me jack, and the Christians sent me a million letters you know, of congratulations. And he goes on to say, you tell me it's impossible, there are countries the Jews will never get out of, hayukach mi gibram mal in and shei Shall the prey ever be taken from the mighty, or the captives of the victors be delivered? It doesn't happen in a regular war that the mighty people take captives and you ever get them back. I said, "Well, I can do anything I want." (laughs) You're dealing with a god here. I moved the historical process, and this sounds to me like Russia. Remember the Soviet Union for decades and decades won't let anybody out, and people say, "You can't get out of Stalin, baby. That's not happening." They don't get out. And When I say to get out, to get out. Even the captives of the mighty be free, and the prey of the time be rescued. I can make it happen. I can bring down the Soviet Union and do whatever I want. Okay? And and he says, And those who bothered them, And then, instead of eating the Jews, they can eat themselves. Eat their own flesh and drink their own blood. which Which happened to Russia. Okay? So... There's a little more, but you get the general idea to what I'm reading. And the reason I'm going through all this is, first of all, nobody ever reads it. Number two uh, is very vivid. Uh, every Jew is supposed to know this. There was a time. I'm not being funny here. 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, and so forth, people knew the a Echemta. I don't know if they knew how to translate every Pussig exactly, but they knew how to translate... Most of what I'm, I've been saying today. And they knew the image. And this fortified the Jewish people down the ages with the idea that nothing is impossible for God. And even though Hayukach, Megibra, Malkoch, and Sheet there are certain countries that are so powerful that nobody can mess with them, but things can then happen and God messes with them. And the most extraordinary things can happen. And the same people who say you can't leave now not only will leave, but they'll pay for it, like I said before. They'll carry you in their arms and deliver you on their shoulders. As the prophet says over there. Okay? And so um don't uh what's the right word? Don't fail to have the faith to believe in miracles. Because if you do that then you're then you're screwed. All right? It, it can happen. And that's why God says uh after he says I didn't write any bill of divorce my bossy on it I'm saying this, and nobody's listening to me. How kotzer kotzer cuts be going in in-be-koch hatzil You think I got enough strong enough? That's what people, you know, after the Um the Now, leaving aside the chronology thing, as I spoke about last week, about the prophet Isaiah, but as soon as he's, he's saying the Chorbin, people were so downtrodden. Understandably so. And so, Yehush. And he said, you know, nothing will ever happen. That the prophet says like God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's it's a natural uh, tendency. Even Moshe Rabbeinu said, can, "Can you supply him with enough food?" Remember, <speaking in Hebrew> whatever Yom, whatever and God says, right? <speaking in Hebrew> Remember that. It, it, sometimes he says it's too much. Now, we Jews don't believe that because we've been saying the Shabbat and the for 2,000 years now. Now, I don't think any any from Jew has a problem believing a power, prophecy, power, the possibility of miracles. But it goes back to these classic texts. In Atil Begarasi I'm God I can make the seas go upside down and so on and so forth. So, this is the second and among the most vivid of the prophecies. If you want to have a very interesting conversation, a very intelligent conversation, Shabbos table. You'd have like in school, you'd have everybody read this parasha with the English. Um with the English. I would recommend Ari Kaplan, but the other one's good also. The uh what what's it called? The um Living Nach. Either one. <coughs> It's not that long, right? And after everyone's read it, he's like, okay, tell me which of the events of the last 100 years or 150 years would you possibly identify as already having taken place, if not 100%, 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%. How would you analyze the history of the last 100 years or 150 years in light of the prophecies that are recorded in today's Haftorah? If you did that, I think you'd have a very interesting set of responses if people have any historical knowledge whatsoever. I'm not talking about a PhD. Like I said before, England, Balfour decoration, Jerry Fowell and all the rest of it, Truman, stuff like that. You know? Um, now, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that, um, strikes me, let's put it that way, that you seem to fulfill partially of a lot of these things. Now, we haven't seen all the Arabs decide one day we're leaving. And so the country is empty and all the rest there. But having said that, we do see Israel today uh, taught Tzim Meshav. There's not enough room. There's a crowding. It's it's funny, you know, the way it's going. Uh, obviously, I'm simplifying a very complicated subject. But once a year, you're sp- uh, uh, from the fact they put this out of Torah, <laughs> at least once a year, you're supposed to think of these terms. <coughs> Excuse me. So once again, I wish a happy first anniversary to Shlami and Bridget. And I wish everybody uh, have a good Shabbos. And uh, if you're in the T-Neck area, maybe I'll bump into you. And with that, I wish you a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com dot Rabbi,